This episode of Good Sheilas is proudly supported by Nest Legal. Nest Legal are Northcote's loveliest lawyers, helping the good women of Melbourne move on from bad relationships, find new homes and make an estate plan that protects their people. They are all female, bar one feminist bloke, and their goal is to make the law less shit for people who need it. Their prices are all fixed and on their website, like a pizza shop. Yeah. Delicious. <laughs> their website lets you get it all sorted from the couch at 8pm if you want to. Or if you need family law advice, but there is nowhere private or safe in your home to do a video conference, you can have a phone strategy session while you're on your daily walk. Moving on with your life one step at a time. Get started at nestlegal.com.au. Fun fact about Bron. In a formative moment about betrayal, friendship, and eating your feelings. When Bron was a wee lass of seven, she went to Belconnen Mall to visit Daryl Lee to pick and mix some chocolates. She took one and left without paying. She's in jail right now. <laughs> she went to Natalie Hughes' house and told her about her criminal ways. When they had a fight a week later, Natalie ran to the local shops and told the owners that Bron had stolen. But from them. When, when Bron's mum next visited the local shops, she was almost thrown out by an irate shopkeeper who berated her for a tiny child's thieving ways and made her pay for the chocolate that wasn't even stolen from there. Bron learned to trust nobody, and her mum learned that Bron's a piece of shit. <laughs> it was so betrayed. It was from Daryl Lee, you bitch. Natalie Hughes. Fuck you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Good Sheilas, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a Melbourne comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're longtime friends, short-time mums, and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for good sheilas. Good day, mate. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? I'm very, very well. That's excellent. It's book week tomorrow. <laughs> How dare you? I know, it's so Can rude. you believe it? I can't. It's just the most outrageous thing in the world. Hey, guys, you know how this year's completely cool? and your tiny terrified children have had to go back to school and they're traumatised and so are we. Let's dress up as books. We've cancelled Easter. I know, we cancelled Christmas. We cancelled anything. We cancelled friendships. We cancelled my marriage. (laughs) Everything's cancelled. We cancelled school for ages. We cancelled the gyms. Uh, We cancelled you feeling good about yourself, but we have not cancelled book week. It's just so rude. I get it's for the children, but seriously, fuck the children. We have just... Helped the children many, many days. I've done too many helpings of the children <laughs> and not enough extra helpings of cheese. Oh, well, that's right. And now we have to like dress them up from a book. And the theme this year is absolutely messed up. It's like wild brains and creative creatures. I've definitely got it wrong and I don't care. I didn't even know there was a theme. <laughs> yeah, there's a thing. It has to be like curious kids. Oh my so God. So you have to find a book with like a, a, something in it that is really curious or really brave or it, it, so it can't be Elsa. That is so annoying and yeah. so like, why do they want to make our lives worse? Why? What would you go to, say if you had no parameters, no constraints, they're like, hey, Bron, it's adult book week. 
Go with your favorite book character. Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Just to make everyone uncomfortable. Exactly. Especially she's the pregnant lady. <laughs> Especially this day. She's sexy and violent. Wow, she's swollen. <laughs> and is someone hurting her? Yes, they are. I have, I have no idea what I want anymore. That is what a vibe. I got as God from the Bible. Oh, that's good. That's cool. I know. I for some reason thought you were going to say Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> No, it's God. I've accidentally drunk too much cordial. <laughs> too much cordial. Oh, what are you going to send Olive as, mate? Probably Rosie Revere because all that character just has like a like a bandana or something like that, and um, so also smart. she's creative. And it's yeah, it's actually genius. I feel like I should go to this book week as myself for having this idea. I think you should go. Just turn up. Just show up. Hi guys. I'm a child. <laughs> I'm a book. <laughs> I haven't had a conversation with Stevie about it. I only learned that it was on yesterday. I'm a single parent. Yeah. I do not keep up with things like this, so I'll have to wildly make something up tonight. And shout out, I hear that people have been making costumes for their yeah. children. That is cooked yeah. and impressive. It is impressive. But the way that I had to process this myself was there's going to be parents like you who don't have time to do this but there's also parents that, that live for this day so we them. have to not shame them for having the time to no, do this or not shame them for getting really excited and sending their kid as like Willy Wonka or something spectacular where they've actually handmade that outfit oh, and hot food stuff and been so so proud and taken a million photos and put that on Instagram and whilst it isn't there to shame you whilst sometimes it feels like that that is a big day for those mums it's and dads. It's amazing. Somewhere. And the shame is really, it's my shame. I'm ashamed. And it's easier to be like, that's too much, than be like, hey, Claire, maybe if you were just a little bit more of a better parent. <laughs> no, it's, I think it's okay for, like, if you send your kid in an Elsa outfit, if you totally forget and send them in their school uniform, that kid will be not the only kid in their school uniform. Thank God there are other shit parents out They're there. Not shit. <laughs> they don't have time. And we all have our strengths. And yours, I'm searching for them. Yes, they're somewhere buried <laughs> in my soul because. I am God and I created everything. Thanks, Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> so let's talk about the news, Bronwyn. Okay. In the most sensible thing that's happened anywhere all year, New Zealand has re-elected Jacinda Ardern for a second term as Prime Minister. Yay, that is right. In a year that's included a devastating global pandemic, the shutdown of modern society and book week not being cancelled, somewhere someone has gotten something right. It's incredible, Sheila's. Winning more votes than any other Labour leader in 50 years, Jacinta gave the first 30 seconds of her winning address in fluent Maori. This wow. is way better than our politicians who barely speak fluent English. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Shout out to Jackie Lambie. Critics of Jacinda have said she's not been able to land her commitments to overhaul New Zealand politics, but now she's been given a way forward. She'll no longer have to bow to Conservatives who she was forced to form a coalition government with last time around, and with such a massive win, She'll be able to govern alone. Good move, New Zealand. Once again, you have shown us that you are far, far better people than us. Despite your questionable, questionable appetite for lolly cake and French onion dip, which is Claire's favourite soup because she's disgusting. <laughs> Stop <laughs> eating that. I love like it. That. I am forever grateful to my friends across the trench for this magical dip. <laughs> I will never stop eating it if you want to be my friend and dip. <laughs> when Claire's had a few drinks, it's just always all over her face. Where's the spoon? <laughs> I don't need it. Just microwave it. Eating <laughs> it like a dog. Stop, Claire. And and. And in other phenomenally unsurprising result, New Zealand will continue to lead the ranks of women-led countries who are doing a heck of a lot better at global 
global crisis than everywhere else. Let's do a roll call but based on some research by the Centre of Economic Policy Research and World Economic Forum. Shall we, mate? Yeah, sure. Oh, great. How about the states? Led by a narcissistic, right-leaning, <laughs> crisis-denying, toxic dunkster of a bloke, we've got 8.12 million COVID cases and 219,000 deaths. How about our gorgeous friends to the east, mate? New Zealand. Yes. Ah, led by a woman who has handled a major terrorist attack, deadly natural disaster and global pandemic with kindness, compassion and evidence-based policy, all also while parenting a tiny child. Lockdown early, now totally open for business, impact sports stadiums and open bars. Yes. Can you imagine? I know, glorious. They have uh, 1,883 cases, 25 deaths. Oh, that's it. So like, I know that's a, it's not a number to sneeze at. It's not like, well, that's only 25 people. But and when a you compare, million, mate. When you yeah. compare, it's a comparison we're doing. We're not saying these 25 deaths didn't matter. They did. They, uh, you know, these are people, they happened and they were super, super sad. But this is a comparative piece, guys. <laughs> How about Brazil, Claire? Oh, their male PM, Jair Bolsonaro, is a right-wing COVID denier who said that Brazilians don't get sick because they have magical antibodies. Oh. And he also said masks are bogus. Oh. He's the proud leader of a country with 5.21 million cases oh. and 153,000 deaths. How about Germany, mate? Oh, Germany. It's in a tricky <laughs> spot in COVID-ravaged Europe, but they locked down hard under um, Chancellor Angelina Merkel. Angela. What did I say? Angelina. Angelina Jolie. Angelina Houston. Angelica Houston. You're all the president of Germany or Chancellor. Who knows? Angela, go. How many people are in there? How many copies have you had? I mean, I've had four. I said Angela, obviously, from the very start. They've got 83 million people and they've seen 360 cases and 9,773 deaths. Compare that to the UK, 66 million people and led by a bloke. How are they faring, Claire? Oh, mate. Boris Johnson, who is famous for looking very much like my youngest daughter as a baby. <laughs> she looked exactly like Boris Johnson. Do you remember? We'll post it on the, on the Instagram. And also for being a gigantic COVID-denying Trump imitator who is intent on isolationism, but not the helpful pandemic type, the type where he locks off his nation from the EU because of xenophobia in the name of intense nationalism, got COVID and is still cooked, mate. <laughs> he was in ICU and he's still cooked. Oh, 66 million people, 705,000 cases, and a whopping, not 700, is that right? 705,000. Oh, yeah, that's a lot. And a whopping 40. It's called Angela. Angelina <laughs> Jolie yes, has caused 5, a whopping 43,579 COVID oh my God, deaths. That is a lot. That is a lot. And so, why are blokes so shit at leading? <laughs> is, that, is there an agenda here? No. But like when you look at it like this, and, uh, yeah, yeah, my brother-in-law loves this podcast. <laughs> Shout out to Drew. <laughs> why do we continue to vote them in? And why do women do so much better in times of crisis? The evidence suggests that women-led countries are more risk adverse and so uh, they're more likely to apply the evidence and facts to their policies and we're mo more likely to act quickly and decisively in the, act in the face of mortal danger. So, I am having a stroke. It's fine. You're Thank making you. a you're making a human, and yeah. your brain's your brain's still operating. It's magical. Um, very, very barely. <laughs> that is a stretch. So congratulations, New Zealand. You're smart and sensible, and we love you. And we're moving there, so get your very best mansions ready yes. for us. Yeah, I feel like the house prices will be cheaper. There. They will probably be. We'll, we'll take twelve. <laughs> but I do remember thinking about moving to New Zealand at one stage, just not actually really. But I've been when I was a teacher, I was like, oh, maybe I can move there. And then I found out that teachers make, and this is a fact. 
It's not. This is what I heard from someone who's <laughs> probably fact. very unreliable. Come here for all your facts and your objectives. The teachers are paid really badly there. Really? Yeah, which I thought was surprising. Yeah. Yeah. How but, badly? Like, we're talking, like, factory like worker way, badly? No. Well, not far off. Like, it's, it is much... Much. Um, it sounds like a jackhammer, but Claire bought a dumb dog, and it keeps doing dumb noises. Um, yeah, I think that they're no, not no, not factory worker badly, but like worse than Australia. Yeah. You know, the Australian teachers upset about how much, how little they get paid compared to the work that they yeah. do. The work would be the same in New Zealand, and they get paid less. So I just think that for a country that's so, I guess we love them so much. There's some things that's like, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, there's loads of things that are like, oh, that's a shame. But generally, they're quite progressive and clever and better than us like for example they're not nearly as racist as us they're yeah. still pretty racist but like maori culture and maori yeah. language is part of like their schooling system they they're just they're just better and another really interesting thing they had two referendums mate one on a right to die so assisted suicide oh. which has been the law in victoria now since 2017 and one on legalization of marijuana which i am all for <laughs> i love that <laughs> um, so um we i've actually not checked the data on that but i'm pretty sure both have passed Oh, they are they are better. So than progressive. Us. Only, yeah. Anyone who says that New Zealand is not as good as us, they're just obviously so much better. <laughs> they're just not thought it through. No. What's uh, happening in Finland, mate? Okay, so the Finnish Prime Minister Sanna Marin has been criticised for plunging neckline in a photo shoot. She wore a blazer and appeared like there was nothing underneath. How dare she? How dare she? How dare woman? Instead of talking about how the remarkable Marin is the youngest ever Finnish PM at 34 or how the country has one of the lowest COVID infection rates of all because of sensible policies resulting in 90% less deaths than its neighbours or how its economy has said way better than the rest of the Nords, we're talking about her tears. Oh yes, that is very much at the forefront of my <laughs> mind. Unusual. Her critics say there is absolutely Absolutely no room for sexiness in politics. None. None. How dare you? And that Marin has somehow undermined her leadership by wearing a revealing outfit. Context. We've got a topless Putin riding horses. A, a, yeah, that was really confronting. But even more confronting, a budgie smuggling Tony Abbott. And we are horrified by a woman wearing a blazer. We love criticising what women wear and how they appear and how they age and their bodies because it's a social parameter for success. There's sexism entrenched in everything and it's magnified in politics because the polls are so reactive to what the community feels and reflect our expectation of how women should behave and appear, not just women in power. No, that's very true. Julia Gillard, speaking about representation of women in politics, said... Women should only be there if, when they are there, they do this, this and this. We don't tend to put that if in sentences about men because the toxicity of social media, more women thinking about the real world threats that being in politics presents for them. And so the role modelling effect will work in reverse because it will show how women are treated in politics is more of a negative than a positive. Sexist abuse from both the media and colleagues is totally normal in Australian politics. Sarah Hansen-Young was told she should stop shagging men in a conversation in Parliament about rape oh by God. a conservative male politician. Oh my and God. there were no consequences. Far out. That is so... Imagine, imagine being in that position and then feeling no one's backing you up. I know. It's and just, being and like, being okay. slut-shamed in a context which is ridiculous and just not being able to say, hey, mate, that's cooked because you're talking about a broader agenda. Yeah, and don't talk to me like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Just being like, okay, I'll take that in my stride and it's my job 
to take the high road on this. And taking the high road is hard sometimes because you're just tired. Exactly. And And she would have been tired. And she would also know that taking the high road would take away from the agenda, right? The take away from the conversation about fucking rape. And that is part of rape culture. Slogans like ditch the witch and conversations criticizing her outfits, hair, marital status, and having no children were the norm for Julia Gillard and supported by the Liberal Party. The media, news, and social talk openly about the private lives of women in politics. Apart from rampant sexism, this might be one of the drivers of our incredibly low levels of representation. Here's a fun fact about me, Bron. I did a Pathway to Politics Fellowship at the University of Melbourne a couple of years back. I'm really passionate about evidence-based social change, but I question running because of how dreadful the system is to women. Mm. I've got really thin skin, and I wonder how I'd hold up in the face of the barrage of gendered criticism. Would you run, mate? Uh, no, because I couldn't be bothered, but I would. But I do. <laughs> I'm <laughs> was, busy. Yeah, I'm just very busy. But that does sound. That would be horrible. Being bullied by bully, bullied by women is one thing, and bullied by blokes is a different thing. There's different flavors there of bullying. And I'm not saying one is easier than the other. In fact, often, and this is what we're going to talk about today a bit, is, you know, when women are against you, how horrible that feels. But when men are against you, it feels it feels like, it feels scary. And it feels, yeah, it feels really powerless. Your right of reply is reduced. And also when the media is against you, like when you have to go and present and talk to a really important social issue, right? particularly one that impacts the lives of, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. And before you're talking about it, you have to worry about what you wear or how you look because you know that will be the first thing on the agenda of, like, Sky News and social media. Like, oh, that dress didn't look very good on her. Mm. Or she looks tired. Or Mm. who's taking care of the kids? Like, that is the conversation. Yeah. I would not like that at all. But also, like we we talked about, we've talked about this before. It's like the if there is no kids there, it's she's not making any room for kids. She's not making any time for this. And what does that? What like why mm. has she chosen this over that? And how are family supposed to relate to her when yeah. she's actually she doesn't have one? Yeah. Like, well, she's been a part of one, and maybe she didn't have them out of her vagina or ripped out of her tummy. But she understands what family values are and how dare you minimize her to that? And, and blokes uh, without kids do not face that. Yeah, and folks with kids. There's never a question about who's taking care yeah. of them or who's like who does the pickups. How are the kids coping with you being, you know, working so much and not being present? It, it's just not put to them mm. because it's expected that there's a woman at home doing that work. But if you're a woman and you're not doing that work, that's ultimately a black mark against your name. Oh, definitely. And if you have a look at what Julie Gillard's experience with how her her relationship was criticised. So I mean, her she was unmarried, which was disgusting. If you ask disgusting, me, disgusting. I know it oh. makes me sick. All these oh. and when women not to mention divorcees society is crumbling (laughs) put her in charge it is um you know she was unmarried but she had long-term partners there was obviously sex without without marriage and that's disgusting i would never suggest it (laughs) but her partner was a hairdresser yeah and so that was like so not only was she fine she had a man in her life and so they're like ticked some kind of box but he had a female-ish kind of job like a woman like a job that was you know um dominated by females and so obviously his masculinity was questioned and there were so many jokes about how he was not a real man and all of these things so like her like julia's case is like one of the most interesting studies of like gender expectations and criticism and we have to we did we learn from that i don't think we did i don't think we did because the the broader ideas about what a woman should do and how they should operate haven't changed. Representation still remains critically low, despite some of the parties having gender quotas. 
and not other parties. I'm looking at you, conservatives. And, and <laughs> no agenda. Not at all. Very unbiased. And we're still talking about, you know, generations of women who've been socialised to be quiet and to worry about what feedback about them and how they look and how their behaviour is. And that's exactly why, despite, you know, having a real passion for this kind of thing, I have not entered that realm because I'm too frightened of what it would be like to navigate that. Mm. And I think you have to have a whole new generation of people come in with different expectations and different kind of approaches to men and their relationship with themselves and their relationships with the community to kind of uplift some of those things. Mm. And it's not, and it's, it's such a fucking shame because it's not now when we need it more than ever. And we have, and there's so many ways to criticise, and it's so, like it's immediate. And yeah. so now we have got the internet who oh, sees them, people with trolls and stuff. Do you know what's funny is Lucas recently um, went on to TikTok. So I don't have TikTok, <laughs> but he, and Lucas doesn't have Facebook or, or Instagram or anything because um, he finds them too addictive. And so he's just gotten rid of them and he just uses mine. So that's solved that problem. But he went on, he found TikTok, went on to TikTok, and he said that he was like, oh, my God, it was crazy. There was and there was people on there, like, going live and they, like had, like, 100,000 people watching this live video. And the person was just so boring and it was just ridiculous um, what people listened to. A lady saying, oh, I can't lose weight and I've tried to lose weight and I don't know how to lose weight and I'm sick to death of being this size. And, and Lucas found this content really boring and really mindless and he said that people were commenting on it. And so Lucas wrote on it, is this actually TikTok? And then he got, <laughs> then he got blocked from it. From TikTok? He got, got blocked, blocked from it. that conversation. Oh. Like that, whoever was on, who was like, that's a mean thing to say, get rid of it. Yeah. Which is great that it's there. And also, if I was that woman telling my story, which was a, from a point of vulnerability, she was yeah. like, hey, this is a really sad story for me. And people were interested because they were watching or mindlessly watching or whatever. But Lucas came on, who is notoriously one of the nicest blokes in the world, does not like making people feel bad and made a comment that because there was no tone to it, he was genuinely genuinely curious as to what was happening right now. He made a mean comment. <laughs> what is this TikTok? Is this TikTok? Is this actually TikTok? Is and this Woolies? <laughs> Where's the bread aisle? <laughs> what are you doing? And then he got deleted and then he went to another live thing and he said he wanted to write something mean. Like he wanted to say like this is boring. Uh, he was going to write this is boring. Lucas. Which is so. But why are you cyberbullying Lucas? Exactly. What's gotten into you, man? Like, he thought he was giving constructive feedback. feedback. This is boring. This is bo- I'm boring. a white man and I've got an opinion. <laughs> You're boring. And so when he came and he was telling me this, I was like, what well, was so easy for you to turn into a troll? And that yeah. does not fit you at all. No. So imagine, like the, the internet's terrifying at best, but just like how easy it is for people who are gen- in, not in, in IRL, nice people, uh. go to like have a bit of a bad day or jump on something and, and it's not really interesting to them. Or a female in politics says something that they don't necessarily like. They attack something they attack. and they become personal. And the thing is that they feel so entitled to that voice, right? Like, like you know, this idea that Lucas, who's never, you know, he's never been a woman struggling with with body image or weight no. or a relationship with food, has no context or understanding of that person or her particular struggles, felt entitled to comment. And that's the, I think a big difference between men and women yeah. and feeling like that, that entitlement to have an opinion. Mm. And I think that entitlement comes out in so many different places. But when it comes to a public figure, you know, particularly somebody who's, you know, representing you in some way, I think that a lot of men feel like, well, I can say whatever the hell I want mm. because this is something I own. Yeah. 
Yeah, and this is, I don't think he understood what, it, what he would have sounded like. Uh, he, because he's not, uh, he's not the, um, he's a very lovely man and very smart in lots of ways, but he loves, he's kind of often late to the party with what's going on. Yeah, what's TikTok? <laughs> yeah. What is that? <laughs> That's a genuine question. Oh but it came out mean, and I do, and people, if they've had a bad day, they're going to the internet, and this is like a really, being a woman in politics, especially doing something like wearing a blazer yeah. and not a shirt underneath, it's um and the criticism that came with that it's not only like upsetting but it's also super predictable yeah it's it like, is. Oh, of course that was going to happen yeah of course yeah and this, that's the, that's the thing right you as a woman you should expect it and as a woman we're not always that nice to each other either are we no, no we are not but the last thing i want to say about politics is poor old gladys and she's oh, had a time whilst, gladys. like i'm not saying that she, she was completely no. guilt-free no. there's a lot of things i'm doing so so badly in that i have heaps of opinions on maybe the situation that she found herself in maybe she really thought that this bloke was a good guy or maybe she was quite lonely who knows and but, who, it's her business right yeah. who cares like it, it's who somebody has sex with is their business yeah i think that people are mostly concerned about the corruption yeah that's probably but... a bigger issue about declaring <laughs> interest yeah. but we won't go there we're yeah. just talking about sex but i am saying that she has been she has been criticized oh, far goodness. more than daryl mcguire the guy know. who was taking the money from these people exactly and like also how many male politicians have had salacious affairs mm. with people who they're not married to mm. who they're not committed to and we just turn the other cheek because they're like oh, of course it's a bloke in power of yeah. course he's doing that we wanted, we, everyone wanted Gladys to fail and yeah. this was where they found her f- flaw and all this is where they found her, her, like her, you know, her fuck up yeah. and she, and it's the most embarrassing, oh, embarrassing it's so embarrassing up. and because he is, you know, ashamed, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's not part of the political fault because of his behavior and every, he's just been, he, he, she's been ripped to shreds and that's the thing, she can't just have sex with someone without being accountable for everything that they are, right? Yeah. You are now Daryl. Exactly. Congratulations. Oh. The two excellent names. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what did you do? Obviously, this has got far more, like, context and far more, like, depth to it. We're not doing an in-depth unpack of no. Gladys. No, but we are saying that it is, like, just looking at how Daryl and Gladys are being um, kind of uh, represented or portrayed yeah. in the media, and Gladys is having a Far worse time oh, than Daryl McGuire. Yeah. Oh man, it's just it's just an example of how poorly women are treated in these mm. forums, right? Yeah. Um, but women in friendship, tell me about that, Claire. So to tell, we we have a clip from a listener which is really honest and quite moving, which we're going to lead this conversation with, and we're going to play it now. I reached out to Claire a little while ago, just as a part of my healing process, because I have been thinking a lot about. How much of an asshole I was through my 20s and early 30s, especially towards other women, for the attention and uh, validation of men, realistically. And just as I get older and give less fucks, I just I wonder why we care so much about what guys think. Given, like for myself, I know that my connections and friendships with other women, for the most part. I do have a couple of good male friendships, but for the most part, my relationships with women are more engaging, more fulfilling, and I'm just able to be myself more, like my true self, because um, I'm a woman too. Like, that makes sense, right? And, like, there's there's this sort of cultural idea, I think, that the opinions of women somehow hold less value. I remember (laughs) 
reading an interview with Harry Styles from One Direction, which obviously is a very important cultural touchstone for a 37-year-old woman. Um, but the interviewer asked him, like, what do you think about the fact that, you know, so many of your teenage, your, your fans are teenage girls? And he was like, well, yeah, like, why do you think the opinion of a teenage girl is somehow of less value than, like, an aging male hipster? Like, why do we think that they have the last word on music taste? Like, they they have a deeper understanding of everything of the world, do they? Like, why do we care so much? I'm just trying to find my way through these these feelings that I have and the regret that I have for so many times that I was dismissive of um the women in my life that I like I, I didn't know that I was doing it but on some level I would uh like men in a situation rather than women and I think it's also part of this this whole oh no you're special like you're not like the other girls kind of thing that we tell ourselves that's sort of competitive and again it goes back to that idea that um a man's opinion matters it, it like honestly it really it really doesn't. Thank you, Sophia. That was super bloody brave and made us think a lot about female friendship. Yeah. Right I... now, it is one of the most important things in my life, if not the most important good stuff for my kids. But let's go back, <laughs> Bron. What was your attitude to other women early in your life? Oh, do you know, so what Sophia said, and I've never actually articulated it the way that she has because yeah. she's much smarter. But I have, but I don't think we do face that. And it's very confronting to be like, you have internal misogynistic ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this affects the way that you view women. Even though you are one, you are going to view them as whatever. So we aren't, even though you are feminist, it doesn't mean that you aren't necessarily having misogynistic thoughts. Exactly. And it doesn't mean that those thoughts and ideas don't frame every decision you make and every way that you look at another person. And we've talked about this a lot in the podcast, how we have an idea or, you know, ideologies about one thing and it doesn't necessarily represent the way that we behave and there's often a big chasm between those two things. But, you know, we we didn't have all this language and this understanding no. when we were kids or when we were teenagers or even young adults. No. I, I look back at my early 20s and I hate them so much. Oh, my God, so toxic. The, the worst, the worst <sighs> person. I also I, like, think about how so much I struggled and how much I was like, yes, this is who I am today. <laughs> this is fine. This is me forever. Going to wear a belt just below my belly button <laughs> <laughs> and leggings as pants. Yes, many decisions, but it is like the female friendships were like they were integrals growing yeah. up, and then but they were also told they were also like where we felt most hurt. Yeah, and they were toxic and competitive, right? Yeah, like the kind of the way that we behave with other women was really framed around the men that we were around mm. and the context we were around. Like, do you have any, what, I, I guess, frame a, frame a friendship for me from when you were, you know, in your teens, like how, how did it look and how did you behave in it? Uh, so uh, one, one from year six, actually. Mm. So her name was Jamie Jeffers and she was my best friend and we were, we did everything together. She lived at the end of my road. Um, and so we would walk to and from school together. I would hang out with her all, all weekend um, and then there was this comp there was this competition. Well, not really a competition. It was like some no one had a boyfriend or a girlfriend in mm. year six, and everyone wanted one, but we didn't know how to do it. And so there were five cool year six girls, and when I say cool, I mean like the um, 
the ones who were like I don't know we were the Spice Girls like we were all we had a role well, do you know what I mean like you were one... a cool girl of course I was the entire amazing. time obviously <laughs> a sporty Spice and then the... <laughs> that's the worst line I know, I know. shut up Claire oh god and it were says so much about it but oh. no I wasn't cool Ginger. enough to be a Spice Girl you were Anne of Green Gables <laughs> I never got to be a Spice Girl I wanted to be but also this is another interesting conversation to unpack that sporty and scary were the, were the worst right the, the woman who was not feminine and the woman who was not white were the ones that nobody oh. wanted to be and Baby the blonde white oh, yeah. one everyone wanted to be baby. Hot one was the apex right no, I thought every it was, Posh was okay Posh, Posh was, was okay. in the top three it was the um, no one wanted to be Ginger because oh, she really? was fat and she was like 42 kilos oh, no one God. wanted to be her because she was fat and loud and like obnoxious so broken but and the cool girls got the, the top of the pick right you go Baby or Posh they were the good ones I, I was very good at sports so I got sport I don't know what you're talking about being okay <laughs> I was very good I still very good at sport <laughs> I jumped here uh, it, uh, so I was in the, that five group that group of five girls and then there was five boys uh, only five boys in year six and I remember all of their names and they were all lovely boys and everything was fine and then we had to rank in order we had to rank in order who we thought the prettiest or the most handsome one or cutest or whatever we used so boys would write their list and then they would share them Brutal. isn't that horrific isn't Brutal. that horrific what the hell were we thinking oh. we were also 12 so we didn't know what we were doing but we these slips came back like this feedback of this uh, this ranking came back and i was terrified as was every other girl every girl because it's, like, it's your value right yeah and i was absolutely obsessed with this boy called shane wheatley obsessed <laughs> with him <laughs> the worst. he was the fastest runner okay Claire's a big that's dinner. amazing also imagine having a child I'm going to name him Shane Wheatley. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to be the fastest runner in your six. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all he did. But he, I was obsessed with him and I was so, so, so desperate for him to say that I was the prettiest girl out of all five. And I was convinced that he was going to say Janie. And in the, like, the week, it might have even lasted a day, but in that day that felt like a year... I was so angry at Janie for existing because I was like, you are going to beat me. And I remember writing my diary. I think I'm prettier than Janie. And this is, and which was like, which is ridiculous. Both like these, like, you know, 12 12 years old. We would just look like 12 year old girls. And I remember, but it was, but I was so angry at her and I couldn't work out why I was angry at her. And I remember being like, oh, she like, if he writes her name down, that's it. It's just like he's probably just trying to be nice, and I turned into like this absolute fucking asshole because I was like, Shane has to choose. Me. We're going to get married. Yeah, we're exactly. going to start a podcast. Exactly. And then she wrote her list and gave it to the the boys, and Shane wasn't number one on it, which I was so excited about, and I think that hurt his feelings because I think he was going to write her name first. But because she didn't write his name first, he wrote my name first, and I was you won, over mate. The moon. You fucking won. I was thinking about this the other night. The feeling, like how excited I was by beating her, not by winning Shane, by Just beating, beating her, her yeah. to that number one spot on Shane Wheatley's pretty list. <laughs> I Fuck. remember walking home and not being able to shake this smile, thinking it was the best day of my life, and it probably God. still was. But it was this I that I just remember so clearly how furious I was at Jamie 
everything about her. Because of a boy's opinion. Because Shane might have thought uh, she was prettier than me. And this was, this was not... I didn't, like, learn from that. I wasn't like, yeah, cool, that's fine. I remember being cross at girls in high school because they were prettier than me. Yeah. And not actually understand. I was like, oh, it's because she's got an annoying laugh. It was nonsense. It's because I felt threatened by the way that she looked compared to the way that I looked. It was that comparison, constant comparison. And when a boy like them being like, oh, it's because she's rich or something which is obviously what year seven boys look for in all especially you (laughs) exactly so what about you well I think my my relationship with other women girls when I was a teenager is quite toxic and competitive as well and often shaped around being you know performing around boys and trying to get their attention but that didn't stop when I was a teenager I think it leaked way into my 20s and I was thinking about this in the, in the context of this podcast as well about a very very dear friend of mine and a falling out that we had when she called me out for something that I didn't realize I was doing and it was we we had a falling out briefly and now we're very very close again but shortly after she and I had both had her first babies um I was super preoccupied with like how my body was bouncing back yeah. and constantly compared myself to the other women in my life right like I'd look at you I'd look at all these other women who had small babies and I was like I want to be thinner. I want to be. I want to be hotter. I was at twenty seven, so it's still really, you know, we're 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 still young, but we, you know, it was really, really young and yeah. really, really vulnerable. And there was so much about myself that I hadn't worked out yet. And um, she was like, every time we meet, I feel like you look me up and down, and I feel like you compare yourself to me and who looks better and who's thinner. And I knew in that moment that I did it. And what I didn't. Your, what was your reaction? Like? I denied it vehemently because it was like if somebody had articulated yeah. something really fundamental, yeah, mortifying and true and embarrassing and just awful. And I remember that how I reacted, and it was just so. It was it was such a strong reaction because it was like she saw through me, and it took me years to reflect on that. And and she was right. It would have made her feel shit every time we saw each other. It would have made her feel like she had to perform. It would have made her feel like there was a context to the friendship which she wasn't actually, like, didn't want to be a part of because it made her feel bad. And it also framed the way that I approached that friendship as well. I made it really disingenuous and competitive. And it's taken me such a... I think only in the last couple of years have I stopped competing with my female friends. Mm. Like, and, and it's that thing where you don't you don't feel great about yourself and the only parameter that you get kind of socially is by comparing yourself to other women and feeling like you're both going for a top spot, right? Exactly yeah. like you and your mate in year six. Like there's only one spot and it's carved out for the prettiest one mm. or the fittest one or the one that looks the hottest and best thrown together. And if you're not that, you're less than, right? Yeah. And you should be ashamed. And what is the closest kind of workable comparisons that we have in our life? It's other mm-hmm. women. And so we're just pitted against each other. Yeah, all the time. And it's it's totally encouraged. Yeah, it's, totally encu- encouraged. it's encouraged and it's celebrated. Like you look at like the, all these, like, do you remember the movie Bride Wars? No. Yeah, there's a, like, <laughs> yeah. Whole, yeah. <laughs> Of course I don't. It's a trashy, like, early 2000s movie where these two best mates both have a wedding at the same time and the whole thing is about, like, how much they compete with each other about this wedding. Like, those kind of films are still around. Like, women competing with other women. Women who who, who completely frame their lives around, you know, getting a bloke or, you know, getting the same bloke. It's just... It, it's it's not going away. It's no, still present. No, and it's often laughed about. Like, it's yeah, laugh it's looking, funny. Like, yeah, you look at Mean Girls, and that is so. Uh, whilst they're like, ha girls are mean, la la la, ha ha ha. But it is. It's just girls, and even the girl that we're supposed to back, Lindsay yeah. Lohan, she. 
like sabotages the cool girl yes. Regina's like diet and then Regina like, puts fat. on and she puts on like five kilos and everyone's like, Yeah, she Regina's ruined and it's it's like, it's Oh, wait on a minute. This <laughs> what movie, are we doing? It's like what are we doing here? And it's it's an excellent movie, but God, it's so problematic. Yeah. And like I mean, there's been a shift I think. Like it started kind of with, like you think about Sex and the City and how kind of broken and sexist and problematic that show was, and then you think about Lena Dunham's Girls, which is a little bit better but still really, really problematic. Now we've got shows like Insecure or what's the wonderful one with those two girls in New York that we love? Um, oh, Broad City. Broad City, yeah. like that celebrate female friendship for just the parameters of their friendship, right? It's not, it's not about how they perform in the yeah. face of other women. But this hasn't stopped the way we treat each other, right? No. And we look at our tiny kids, right? And how so so Stevie and Olive, our youngest, are in prep in year one, and we're watching them navigate their first kind of complex female friendships. And God, sometimes it's really intense. Yeah. It's about power and control. Yeah, and it's a, the way that they put girls down. Yeah, it's, it's like already it's brutal. It's like, holy, and and the, stuff, the and the insults are tentative now. Like your bossy is a big yeah. one, and that's yeah. really bad. Like as a girl, you don't want to be bossy. No. I've never heard them say that about a boy, and that's really troubling. Yeah, and like and. Uh, and this idea that you can control what your friends do and how they behave and it's also escalated but also so central for them mm. right and and I, I'm, I'm trying you know I intervene at points where I feel like Steve is getting hurt or when she's being unfair or unkind but it's, it's fascinating seeing how much she's been socialized you know yeah. despite kind of you know me being quite a strong feminist you know and putting lots of ideas on her about how she should treat other women and how she should see herself all these things are coming out in the way that she interacts with other girls. And they talk about, like, they, they, they talk about who's the prettiest. I've so they've got the game. Her, Olive, oh, I haven't heard that, but I, Olive and Stevie play this game where they say that um, I'll be the pretty one and you be the brave one. Or, no, tough one. Tough so one. So they, they, like, Steve will say, I'll be the pretty one and you be the tough one. And Olive's like, great, I'm the tough one and you want me to be pretty, but I don't want to be pretty. And I'm like, why can't you both just be... Be pretty and tough. Yeah. Or, like, or like tough like, no, they don't and go thoughtful. Together. Yeah, they don't exactly. Go together. But they're, like, opposites, they're opposites, right? You yeah. can't be both. I'm like, you guys are idiots. Yeah, you're and still fucking idiots. Exactly. Get out of my house. <laughs> like a book, you fat idiots. bitches. <laughs> I've got no idea where these ideas come from. None at all. But I mean, now now we are older and a heck of a lot wiser, Bron. And what what does female friendship mean to you now? Well, it is it is an, a competition. I don't I don't I don't I don't feel that I feel like the competition like faded a long long yeah. time ago. But sometimes and like I will always listen to. Like, I'm always much more interested in female comedians than male comedians. Always. Like, there's this podcast I listen to. It's called, like, The Comedian's Comedian or something like that. And it it is about a female comedian and how she got to where she was and the the things that she faced. Because that is – I'm interested in that experience because it's something that I'm like, oh, my God, she she, um, went above and beyond and went against all odds and became really good at that. Or – this was like some horrible things that she went through and these were the setbacks that she felt or that she experienced and this is how she achieved them. When a bloke tells that story, I cannot relate at all. Because it doesn't relate to you. No, I'm like, that is not, that is completely different to yeah. what I would ever have yeah. thought would be even in my realm. And so when I, this is how I, when I see female friendships, I'm like, this is, we can relate on this, in on, on this somehow. It doesn't have to be about kids. It doesn't have to be about career. It doesn't have to be about, it's just about being a woman in this world. And so the way that I experience female friendships now, I'm, I'm actually, 
I'm much more drawn to women than mm. I am to men. And it is, I feel like there's definitely different conversations that happen with women than there are to men. Mm. With men, I feel like I have to make far more jokes. And like impress, like be fun. Yeah, I'm like, I'm yeah. not like the other yeah. mums. <laughs> oh, God. I take my shirt off. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm like, I, 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 there's far more jokes. It's, it's way more shallow than when I speak to women I'm like eager to learn from them there's yeah. this one mum at school called Emma who I just oh, feel like she's, she's so just brilliant. this beacon of wisdom yeah. and every time she looks at me I feel wiser and so I'm drawn to her femininity and her like female wisdom and I just I, I, I feel like our friendship with her is so advantageous for myself and I'm mm. like this is I'm gonna learn something from this woman because she understands much more than I do. Yeah. But I don't, when I see a bloke who's wise, I don't feel that same, like, I'm like, Draw. okay, I'm like, yeah. oh, great. You, you're wise in different things that have nothing to do with me or I'm much less interested in. Mm. And so I feel like I learn so much from female friendships about who I am mm. and who I, where I want to go. Mm. But I do, I reckon when I feel that competition with other women or when I feel that I feel annoyed I feel really annoyed yeah it's it's I've it's changed a lot for me particularly I think since I turned 30 and I made a deliberate conscious effort to change the way I looked at other women and now the women in my lives are it's center they are my you know they're my Mm. balance and they are my strength and they are and that's such a shift because for such a long time it was I, I felt like the only place that could come from was a romantic partner or men and I still I still seek, and we'll unpack this more in another episode, but I still seek validation from men, particularly like a romantic partner, which is problematic because it just speaks to a shortfall in the way I see myself. But the women in my life are just are so are so remarkable, and, 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 and I see them as this incredibly powerful network of, of, I think wisdom is a really lovely way to put it. And I'm so grateful for, you know, female friendship as a, you know, as, as one of the, constant reliable sources of just love and and laughter and knowledge and and I I do not know what I would do without it and if someone said to me right now you can either have a partner who you're completely in love with and really happy with or the women in your life I think I would choose the women and that's probably the first time in my life that I would say that confidently because I now know that a romantic partner can only give you a sliver of what you need mm. and that's really healthy and normal and they should only give you a sliver of what you need but the network of women in my life give me everything mm. and it's so and I, I don't I, I don't compete them with them anymore I have moments of jealousy but the jealousy is more about like oh I wish I had a loving partner you know or like mm. it's it's not like it's not as something it's not not anymore about how they look or or how much attention they're attracting from the opposite sex those feelings are gone and I'm so fucking grateful because they took away from just how beautiful and important female friendship is. It's it's so important. I reckon that was a less than I think that there's been less time on you realizing that than you think though. Because do you remember on our first ever episode we had that discussion about how that yeah, guy yeah that guy what the guy said us, yeah 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 and then he's and he made you feel less pretty yeah than me and you had that moment of actually it's not like you're not pretty it's you're not as pretty as her yeah and yeah, so yeah. You, that drew me right back to that yeah. that feeling like that and and it reduced and this complete stranger like and we yeah, talked we talked about detail in our first episode but it completely it flung back but that I mean it, like to to me I guess I'm giving myself credit here that would have obliterated me mm. five years ago, ten years ago, 
it made me feel like shit for like for a few days before I was like that guy's a piece of shit and he's what he said not only doesn't matter his opinion doesn't matter it's not true and even if it was true for some somebody it doesn't matter and that kind of turnaround and realization is huge because like at the end of the day you know your friendship with me and the way I see myself with you and it is is a you know infinitely more important than some dickheaded in Adelaide festival oh my god imagine if you were like wait if I can convince you. Exactly. I love you. Let's get married. Which is probably me 10 years ago. I was like, that, that guy's the love of my life. My guy treats me like shit. Perfect. Let's do this. But was he the fastest runner in this city? <laughs> he was not. Did he steal all the chocolates? We have covered a lot this episode, haven't we, man? It's we been have. a real wonder through the feminine and politics. It has. And it's been gorgeous and beautiful. But and thank you, you, Sophia. Oh, thanks, Sophia. Yeah, and I, I think that everyone needs to have a moment to reflect on that. It mm. is, uh, and maybe it's something that blokes can do as well. Yeah. Do you compare yourself to the same gender? Yeah. And what effect does that have on your friendship with them? Do you have moments where you can't stand them because of their success? Or do you have moments where you feel bad about yourself because of someone's success? Yeah. And what does, so what does someone do like how does someone's success reflect on you or what does it make you feel yeah. and I think if we can understand that if like just like I was saying about Jamie Jeffers in year six and how I was so cranky at her <laughs> not actually understanding why I was cranky at her partly because I was 12 but now I you know I don't even know if I had if I hadn't unpacked all that or if I hadn't actually analyzed that I don't know if I would have ever grown and, and been like had that relationship come to the point where I'm like okay I can have relationships with women and I can be yeah. excited when they look amazing and I can be excited when they are better at something than me and that's but I I don't know if I don't know if many women are great at that and I think it's a really it's it's just you're missing out on so much if you're not getting if you're not getting the joy and the wonder that comes out of other women it's it's just it's probably yeah the most one of the most important things you're ever going to get your whole entire life Mm. so go get it Go get the things that come out of women. (laughs) Steel bronze, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for joining me, Anne of Green Gables. Thank you so much for joining me, Dale Lady Chocolate Stealing. (laughs) piece of shit <laughs> yeah well it's natalie hughes's fault i have raised up lots of women in my past and that's because they all deserve punishment <laughs> we've been good sheila thanks guys bye, bye.